0: Hello, this is Caroline Pierce, and this is the podcast from Luxie, in which we talk to interesting people about their interesting jobs. Today, we're talking to Louise Fazakali, who is a poet and multidisciplinary artist based in Wigan. Um, and she talks about how she became a poet, about her own work as a poet, published and performance, and ha- the work that she does facilitating writing with other people and what her plans are for the future I hope that you enjoy listening as ever the technical support is by Jason Burge and the music is from Romy Yaknik. we're live okay so hello Louise um how do you describe you
1: i would say that i am a poet and interdisciplinary artist and my practice is very much socially engaged
0: and working class and what does that mean what does socially engaged and working class mean when like as a poet i suppose like There's two elements to it, really. I feel
1: like I've got two streams of work. I've got the work that I make for myself as a human being, which I want to communicate largely to adult audiences. So I've got the poetry and performance that I make that is aimed at other adults um, and is coming from a place of wanting to share stories about working class people set in working class kind of settings using language that is somewhat accessible on some level but may also be experimental on another level. I like to work with levels in my work so that most people can understand one version of it, but then there are other levels that you might tap into depending on you know what your cultural knowledge is about different things. And so I suppose that's kind of one bit of it. And then the rest of my work is very much about working with children, communities, families, older people, people with mental health, any sort of people, I will work with them. Um, so I suppose that's what I think about socially engaged practice. It's about supporting lots of different sorts of people to create their own work. And then also, obviously, as an artist, I I kind of put that through a filter or I add my own spin onto that, depending on what the project is.
0: So when you're working with people, what, what does that look like? Well, sometimes
1: it means I'm going into schools. So I'm working in primary schools or secondary schools or colleges, you know, educational institutes. Sometimes it looks like I'm going into prisons. Sometimes I'm working in care homes or on hospital wards Um so or sometimes um, in a, a venue like a library or a museum where people might come to visit me rather than me to go and visit them as a group and the sort of work I do with those people is often how do I How do I support those people to write poetry or stories uh, or plays or anything kind of expressing either their interests or a theme that I've come to them with.
0: So you go into all sorts of places and help support them to write things. Yeah. And how does that come about? And sometimes now,
1: because I've been working as a poet for quite some time, mostly the work comes to me. So mostly someone will email me and say, hello, I'm working with a group of young people whose families are in prison. Would you come and deliver some sessions for us? And I'll be like, yeah. Or it might be a, a library approaches me and says, oh, we want to run a reading, um, some sort of reading scheme almost with um, people in care homes with dementia. Like, do you think you could help us find some volunteers and train them up? Yeah, we'll do something like that. And so we're sharing stories rather than the creation of stories. Sometimes I seek the work out. So when I got the residency at the primary school where I've been working at for the past few years, I did a one-off workshop for them. I absolutely love the head, I love the teachers, I really like the children. So then I put together a proposal and um, and said, you know, I could come for one day a week for 10 weeks, this is how much it would cost, are you interested in that? And um, then that's sort of 10 days turned into three years worth of work really.
0: That sounds brilliant. And so when you're putting together, obviously most of the work comes to you based on reputation and experience, but when you're putting together a proposal, What is it that you, like, what benefits are you kind of explaining, I suppose? Tell me, tell me what um, in your words, I suppose, is the, do people get out of writing and uh, like, what do you enjoy about it?
1: I suppose for me one of the reasons i'm a poet is because i like that you can make something quite short obviously not all poems are short but i was attracted to poetry because it can be a snapshot or it can be a story in a very short form so you can start it and finish it so um, for me personally, I, that was my, my way into creativity because it felt achievable, where sometimes when you write a story, you can start it and then never even get to the middle and then never finish it. Um, but um, so when I'm working with other groups, I suppose I like to talk about things like, um, if I am working with a group, the group might get out of it, the ability to share some stories that are otherwise not being shared, like unheard voices. Um, if they if the organization is quite interested in reading and literacy, then um, poetry is often a way to read a story in a very short amount of time, and it is perfectly acceptable within the world of poetry to use your own language and things like punctuation are less important perhaps or um they can be more free with things like that. so um, but often I talk to organizations about. Uh, building confidence actually because a lot of my work with different communities is not just about writing it's often about writing with a view to performing or reading aloud and so the softer skills that people um, develop are often around uh, developing confidence and developing communities and networks and making friends with people because that's actually what sharing writing is really good for getting to know someone a a little bit better so in the world of poetry and open mic poetry people get to know each other quite well so um i suppose i talk about that sort of thing maybe in a proposal
0: and what's open mic poetry
1: Okay, so open mic poetry is um, happening in a town or village near you, probably, where uh, in often pubs or in libraries or in theatres they have like one night a month where you can go and stand up and read a bit of your work. You don't have to; you can just go and sit down and listen. Um, but there is a a huge circuit around the country people to go up and just to share a poem or two poems or so in some places it doesn't have to be poems it could be stories as well or it could be a diary entry if you're inter- interested in that sort of thing like true storytelling um but um there's like kind of a network of those across the country
0: and how would people find out about like open mic pro- like whether they wanted to tell like like to take part or just experience what it's like as an audience member?
1: Well, one good resource is writeoutload.net. So if you go on writeoutload, there is a gig guide. It's called one of the tabs says gig guide. And then you can put your postcode in and search for a place near you. Um, And then... On Facebook, different areas tend to have different kind of little groups set up. Like in the north, there's Northern Poetry Scene. So if you search Northern Poetry on Facebook, a group comes up and then lots of different nights are advertised. But what you find is that once you've been to one night you find out about other nights from that. And it doesn't have to be a night. It can be an afternoon. There's stuff that happens in the daytime and afternoon for people who don't like to go out at night. And there's stuff for a whole range of different sorts of people. So there are nights that are particularly about supporting women. There are nights that are particularly about LGBTQ+. You know, so there are a whole range of different sorts of nights where different sorts of people get together. It
0: sounds really like amazing and like a whole world that i bet loads of people don't even know about um how did you get involved in it in the first place well
1: i'd uh, always loved poetry and I did a creative degree uh, in theatre studies, but never with an intention to kind of work in that sector. I always thought it would be ridiculous to work in the arts. I didn't really know what working in the arts was. I just thought most people leave a drama degree and then I don't really—I didn't even really know what they did with it. I chose drama, I chose theatre studies because I like working in a group. And I would found that if I work in a group, academically, I do a lot better. On the subjects like English, where it's just a solo subject, cannot be motivated enough to put in any essays. So I found that working in a group was a really good way for me to achieve academically, which is why I chose theatre studies. And I thought after that, I'll just work with people doing something rather than in the arts. Um, so I left the world of the arts after uni. I worked with people for a very long time. And then when I was about 30, um, I saw an advertisement in the paper for a kind of cabaret style night with poetry and comedy and i don't know at that point because i had two tiny children i had a one-year-old and a two-year-old and needed to start writing at that point so prior to that i'd never really needed to write i'd done writing at uni and at college but only for academic purposes, not for a personal need. And and when I was in that situation where I was at home trapped with these two tiny children, um, I discovered a need to write and share my feelings. So I wrote a poem about having a baby and I took it to this cabaret night. And because I had a bit of confidence, because I I had done theatre in the past, I'd also took a prop. I realized once you get there, you don't usually have a prop in a poetry open mind. But took this baby because I thought it would be like a cool prop. And then when I got on the stage, it was like a little stage in a pub basement. I kind of realized it was weird. <laughs> so I kind of put the baby down, which was probably even more weird, and read my poem about a baby. Uh, but I had such a good time because I met loads of creative people and I'd left those people behind for about 10 years. So it was just exciting to be like, oh all these interesting people in this room and they're all telling me a different story
0: so I have two questions off that did you take a real baby on stage oh sorry no it was just this baby doll you know like a random
1: baby doll you know like the ones that are like bald and they've got a soft body and plastic arms because somewhat somehow I had one of those someone had given them me one for the children (laughs) I know I'll take this No. No, don't. Maybe don't take it. I mean, you can if you want to. But if you're going to have a go at a poetry open mic, maybe don't take a random baby doll.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you said in that 10 years that you sort of left performance and arts behind, you were working with people. What sort of things were you doing in that time? Well, first I went working for the NHS, so I did a
1: stint as being a trainee hospital manager. Um, Which I didn't enjoy. So then I went working in children's homes. So I did that for a long time, working with children with challenging behaviour. And then I went doing a bit of careers advice. So that was good. And then I went over to libraries for a bit. And then I went into working with vulnerable families. And by that point, when I was doing the work with the careers advice and then libraries was the time that I'd started writing and started going to open mics and rediscovering a sort of creative world.
0: And were the things that you, I'm wondering what, what was driving you in those jobs? Like what was your, apart from obviously like paying the bills, what what was your curiosity like have you do you reflect on that like what what was it that that made you choose those jobs
1: well I when I when I was a lot younger and I thought about the world of work I was like what do I want to do in the world of work knowing that you're 40 hours a week probably so the majority of your life on this planet is spent in the world of work and I'm not spiritualist, I don't really think about God and stuff like that, although I do have a Catholic upbringing. So I just thought that um, it's important to help people. So I just wanted to do, because like, what's the point of us being alive? Why are we on this planet? I don't know, it's quite tricky, that idea. But actually, helping other people in this experience seemed to be like a good thing to do, not knowing anything else concrete. So I was trying to find a way where I would be happy every day. But Mm. also, I was doing something kind of important in the world, which to me, the easiest thing to do would be to help other people.
0: Yeah, that sounds like it. And um, in terms of what you're you're doing now, how does that bring those things together?
1: Well, it was interesting, because I felt quite selfish when I stopped doing the kind of normal everyday paid work and I went freelance as a poet because I've kind of built it up gradually I was like working part-time in the library or at the careers advice with vulnerable families and then part-time I was uh, writing little funding bids to get poets to come in and deliver workshops so one I could enjoy being in the workshop and not having to pay for it and two so that I could kind of learn from them because I find out like this is a quite a few years ago, you could get like 350 quid for a day being a poet in a school or 600 quid for a show. And I thought, what? That's like some people's weekly wage. Like maybe I could do that. So I need to learn how to do it. So um, f- f- so I-, I was doing this process, working out how could I turn something I enjoyed in terms of writing and performing into something that earned some money. But the idea of what what am I writing about and why is it important and how could it help other people kind of, that it was all kind of mushed up together. So the first collection I wrote was um, about my experiences when the father of my children went to Afghanistan as a soldier, because I felt that people didn't really know what it's like to be a soldier in modern times, that people think kind of soldiers go over, and then they just turn over the TV and carry on with the life, whereas actually, my experience of having a loved one who was right like in a war-torn country, it just seemed so surreal and so filmic that I kind of wanted to write about it, because I thought, I don't think people really realise what's happening with this sort of thing. <laughs> so that was one of the stories I wanted to share, really. Um, and since writing that collection and sharing it, people a lot of family members of soldiers have come to me and said, I'm so glad you're telling this story. I've not heard it My my experience been reflected before. So, my instinct around wanting to tell a story one was therapeutic for me, but was also it felt maybe useful to other people. It's kind of improved, like people come up and, and say and, and tell me their stories about their experiences of a family member being in the forces and how it affected them and stuff. So, it feels like. Every, actually every single thing I've written about kind of relates to me, but also kind of relates to issues in wider society.
0: What would you love to have happen in the future?
1: Well, I've got like um, a couple of years ago, I'd been work, when we met, I was producing on an arts festival and um, i left producing work to try and do more creative work because i felt like i didn't have any books i was like other poets have got books i haven't got books i've just got a few couple of shows which is fine obviously it's good having a few shows and so i concentrated on writing books and and i've done that i've like written two three full poetry collections and one little pamphlet and then um, i kind of dabbled with my children's work i've got a children's book that needs finishing. So one of the things I want to do is I want to finish the children's book while I'm still fresh from working with children so intensely for the past few years. Um, but really, I want to write a novel. So actually, in terms of well, there's two, oh, well, well, in terms of my writing, I want to write a novel. So I started over lockdown and um, with the idea of doing a um, hundred short chapters. Um, So there's an artist called, a writer called Sally Gardner, who uh, wrote a novel called Maggot Moon, 100 short chapters. And I think, um, I think if you've got ADHD, or you've got kind of attention issues, to me, that's the ideal way of stacking up a story. So I started that in lockdown, got 15,000 words, left it for a bit, but I want to go back to that. So, but I've got two main creative kind of drivers. One is getting the novel sorted, because I I like the novel and I want it to work, I want to finish it. And then the other is, I've been developing my performance. So my new book comes out in October, it's called The Pleasure Dome. And I wrote it with a view to it being in existence within an art installation and as performance. Um, So I'm starting to develop the performance work from The Pleasure Dome into pieces of poetry that are more like dance. So yes, I speak and yes, you hear the poems, but my body is very much present and it becomes becomes dance. So that's kind of creatively the next thing I'm excited about doing. I've been working with dance and poetry for a long time with communities, but not really as a solo artist, not in my own grown-up practice i talked about those two streams so in the community stuff me and dancers have been working together for years making and the and the participants have been able to do dance and poetry or one or the other and work together but as me as an individual grown-up artist i've not really been able to explore that fully
0: so oh that's exciting a novel and a dance poetry performance and like just as a start I know
1: I'm I'm one of them people who often juggles a million balls mm. and I am happy doing that that's how I thrive um but obviously uh, with it comes risk um in terms of not doing one of you know not juggling one of your balls well enough or yeah. not focusing but I feel like I've actually achieved loads of the things I wanted to achieve like I've been able to work as a professional poet and go into schools and prisons and I've been able to share my story and help other people share their stories and I've been supporting a lot of other artists begin their journey as poets as well. So all that's all well and good and I've made my books and stuff. So I suppose now it's just a question of what do I want to do next? Oh, actually, there's these two things that I want to do next and kind of now it's just changing course and kind of pushing forward with them
0: that sounds fantastic. If you were um, giving advice to young people, because it sounds like you've done that a lot, but
1: mm-hmm. if you're
0: giving advice to young people in education now, what are the top things that you suggest?
1: I would say follow your passion, um, follow whatever it is you love to do, unfortunately when you're at school you don't really necessarily know what you love to do and you don't know who you are necessarily so I don't think there's any shame in trying an area of work and after a period of time thinking what do I enjoy about this work and what do I not enjoy and taking with you into the next position the things you love and trying to leave behind the things you hate there's always going to be something you don't like to do in work but it's is it like How badly do I not like this aspect? Can I move forward from it? I think some people get very anxious at work if they're out of their comfort zone. But if you do something for long enough, it becomes your comfort zone. So those are the things that you're kind of trying to... It's a skill working out which bits are to do with being out of my comfort zone and which bits actually can I not reconcile myself to. Like I never wanted to work for an organisation that was about making other people money that's not I don't mind other people doing it but I never wanted to do that so when I was a lot younger and I worked at KFC you know when I was a student I loved working at KFC I enjoyed it I had great friends I like customer service I like pleasing people you want some chicken you can have some chicken yeah job done in instant dopamine hit everyone's happy here you know like and like Um, I've got friends who's, who's stayed on at KFC you know, as managers and they're like between 30 40 grand a year so like financially they're happy um but for me i just never wanted to work somewhere that was about earning money for somebody else who i don't know i don't like the idea of that for me um so uh, so i suppose if i was a young person um and you can develop your values as you go along Mm -hmm. what i don't know yeah um what do you like about being freelance oh i like the variety of the work um, I like the different time lengths of the projects, so I like think because so so for example, if I start a project and there's certain elements that I really enjoy and certain elements are more challenging, if I know the project's just going to last six months, I can think well I can do six months of this, and um, so I feel like it's motivational for me to have an ending sight um, in terms of different projects, and um, I like I get. Uh, energized by working with different people so and I'll just like meeting people and hanging out with different sorts of people so that's a big draw for me and I like it when I get to be my own boss so I quite like coming up with ideas for my own projects and then recruiting people I like to work on them so like I believe in doing the work um doing the work you love with the people you like So that's what I'm always trying to do. Do the work I love with the people I like. And obviously that changes over time. The sort of work you love changes. And in different settings, it changes. So there has to be a sense of evaluation. Like, I've been doing this for the past year. Is this the right thing to do now? Am I still that person or have I grown and changed?
0: Yeah, that's so um, wise, I suppose. It's so self-aware, but also like really practical go with that like understanding of going you're going to change and at some point that you'll be this one person and then you'll realize that you're now this other person and actually having the opportunity to keep reflecting on that and respond that's um that's a really useful thing to think about isn't it you've got to be kind to yourself because for a long
1: time i did work with young people and teenagers and i still do that work and i still like that work but i found That as my own children have become teenagers, actually, I like being around primary school children. I like the innocence and the love and the cuddles, you know, like that. I just like how how the little faces light up when you come into a room. So um, I really take a lot of energy from the joy and energy and innocence. So I've, cha- I've changed that I'm no longer as keen on working with young people I do it and I'll do it in a certain you know but I don't do too many projects because I don't want to burn out with it I want to be Joyful when I'm working with teenagers, we've got a different sort of issues and different place in life, and um, so I'm not too mean on myself. I'm a bit like, oh well, my own. I've got two teenagers at home. I don't need them at work all the time. Um, whereas I really miss having smaller children. So when I do like an under five session, it's just lots of fun, and we do lots of singing, and it's just quite lovely. Um, oh, that's
0: excellent, and um, we. Yeah, we're coming to the end of the time. Before we, (laughs) it goes quickly, Um, before we finish, is there a book or a podcast that you'd like to recommend? Ooh,
1: Um, I don't really listen to podcasts, so I probably can't recommend a podcast. However, I can recommend an awesome artist, and he does a podcast, so maybe his podcast is dead good because he's awesome, so I can't imagine him. He's called Rob, Rob Arton. Um, he's from the northeast he lives in London and he does kind of a cross between stand-up and spoken word and just kind of observations on the world and he's just absolutely dreamy like I love watching his shows um so I imagine his podcast will just be fabulous we'll look it up and a book your book maybe Oh, I could recommend one. Oh, oh, yeah, I would like to recommend one of my books. Yeah. what book I would like to recommend of my own making is the Lolitas. And um, so in the Lolitas, I explore what it's like to be a single parent and what's it like what it's like to be a teenager through a whole range of lenses. So I look at how teenagers are exploited perhaps in japan i look at fun stuff like sex education class and i look at things about kind of being a, a woman um in it so you don't have to be a mother of teenagers to enjoy this book but if you're interested in stuff around and um, what power teenagers have and what they don't have
0: you might like this book that sounds really good and um, if people want to follow you on social media how do they do that
1: if you're interested in me as a grown-up, I am at Louise the Poet. If you're more interested in child-friendly stuff, then I'm at Louise likes peas, the green ones. Obviously it's peas for poetry and nothing else. So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll put links to those in the notes from the podcast. Um and that's it. I'm going. Is there anything else you want to say before we end? No, just thank you for having
1: me and letting me talk about myself for a bit. I hope people enjoy. Enjoy it.
0: Thank you so much. It's been a delight.